the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So just what does a man of God look like, especially one who would seek some sort of office within the church? Stick around and find out next here on Truth For Today. Our series is simply entitled The Measure of a Man, and it is a gold standard, if you will, of what men and women of God should look like, what their character should be. It's all found here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Paul lays out for Timothy some of these guidelines in no uncertain terms. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's pretty cut and dry, straight and clear. We're looking at each of these as our series, The Measure of a Man, continues. So please join us. Here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 is our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, with this edition of Truth For Today. God says, don't love this world nor the things in it, for the things of this world shall pass away. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. But what do the things of this world, why would they ever make, why would I ever worship the things of this world? Because they appeal to my eyes, my ego, and my flesh. This world is designed to get my love off of God the Father onto something else. That's idolatry. And greed characterizes it. And in the wealthiest country in the world, how the American church, uh, for instance, uh, the last studies I read on charitable giving, we've dropped down where the average American gives no more than 2% of his money to anything that's charitable. I don't care, United Way, Salvation Army, church, increased wealth has not increased our benevolence per capita. And who is the God of your life? Who you talk about and where you invest your time and your money. Third thing, let's look at the danger he said in 1 Timothy. Let's follow 1 Timothy 6. The dangers of loving money. Look at verse chapter 6, verse 6. Loving money leads to danger. Verse 6. He's warning about those guys who use their teaching to say godliness ought to make you rich economically, money. Verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Here it is. What is godliness? Let me give you just a, a synonym. Let's say taking God seriously. A godly man takes God serious. A godly man is walking in fellowship with God characteristically. Getting along with God. Godly. With contentment. Contentment would be satisfaction with God, with your status. A deep sense of satisfaction. The Hebrews would say shalom, prosperity, well-being. Taking God serious with satisfaction in your soul is great gain. 
But it's just the opposite of the American way of life and just the opposite of human nature because human nature says, I want it, I want it, I'll get it, I want it, I'll get it. I won't give anything, but I want to get, get, get. Anything I want, I, I want to get it. The hardest part in training a child is that you can't have everything you want. Now, the baby's crying. Why? You can't have everything. What makes the baby want everything? They had sinful parents that beget a sinner. And sinners want everything. Everything. But what we lack in our getting is satisfaction. And what we often give up is godliness. We give up our God. We give up our satisfaction. And we lose our contentment. But we've got houses, boats, and land. But miserable. You don't think so? Jimi Hendrix died a desperate, lonely man. Janis Joplin, Howard Hughes, Elvis Presley. You talk about people with money, Marilyn Monroe. They had money, power, prestige, notoriety, but something took them to the brink. Because money can't give you contentment. Let's keep reading the word. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. I've done a lot of funerals, and I usually ride in the hearse to the cemetery, and I've never had them yet hook a U-Haul on the back of the hearse. They just don't let them take it. I've even been there where the family comes up, and they take off the rings, you know. That's why the minister's supposed to stay with the casket. There's a guarantee that no jewelry gets stolen. So I watch. Sometimes somebody comes up, takes off the ring, and, you know, family keeps saying, it don't take anything. A preacher wasn't doing well economically, was in a poor church, went to a pawn shop, wanted to get a suit, wanted to see if they had any, and the, the guy said, we've got some black suits, be just right for you. And so they negotiated, cheap, got it. He said, by the way, man, you sold these so cheap, where'd you get them? So he got them from the mortuary. So a lot of people are buried with these, and then, you know, when they get ready to take them, they take the suit back. And he, when he's thinking about that, you know, he's wearing this suit that a corpse had worn. And all of a sudden, he started to put his hands, and he couldn't find any pockets. Corpse don't need pockets. He said, this has no pockets. He said, well, it's for a dead man. You can't take it with you. And guess what? If we put a million-dollar check in your coat pocket when you die, it still won't cash. One boy paid back his dad that way at the funeral and just dropped a check in and said, There it is, Dad. There's the money I owed you. <laughs> Never did clear the bank, though, you know. Don't try that, please. Oh, let's go right on here. Verse 8. If we have food and clothing, we will still be miserable. Is that what you says? But if we have food and clothing, three cars, cellular phone, timeshare, uh, mutual funds, uh, eight trips a year to Palm Springs, we will be content. If we have food and clothing, we'll be miserable and thank God's picked on us. You've got to have more than that to be an American. We have so upped the want list that half of things we call needs are wants. Anybody ever put cardboard in a pair of shoes to make it? I guarantee that 
Depression generation. I heard many stories. I used to have Fred Brock always tell these stories. Putting cardboard. Anybody over 70 that did that? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Frank. A whole generation did it. My generation just kind of made fun of all these. I walked through the snow. Walked two miles to school. And I just said, I just drove a 52 Mercury to school. Gas, 19 cents a gallon. Would you be content with little? See, I think what most believers, what we all are in the temptation of doing with increased income, have you ever asked, well, I've had three raises and we're just as broke as when we began. We want to increase our standard of living. And that's okay. But you know, wages aren't really going up in this country. Inflation is, but wages aren't keeping up. But what would it take to keep you contented? There's a Greek proverb that says this, to whom little is not enough, nothing is enough. Has anybody here ever sat down and felt content with a bowl of beans, cornbread, potatoes, and sliced tomatoes? Man, listen, that's eating, isn't it? Yeah. I just lost you. You all, just a few more minutes. Hold on. Carol and I held revival in Arkansas, and some of those Arkies had us over. Red potatoes grown in their garden, lots of tomatoes, greens. I don't know what else. Man, it was great. They didn't even know they were broke. My brothers often said we had to watch the news in the 60s to find out we grew up in the ghetto. We always called it home. We might know our neighborhood was a ghetto. That's where that's home. Well, that's bad part of town. We didn't know that. Man, I have memories of Harbor Gate. I had to be five, six years of age. Rain coming down. The government provided the gas for the stove. All seven of us were at home then. Rain, all I remember is being around that big table. Peach cobbler. Beans. Here we go. I'm hungry. Uh, man, I'm, I'm about to hallucinate up here. I got to stop. And I'm looking for the Tabasco sauce. Where is it? Mama, I wish you were here. But you know what? In my childhood memory, I don't think I was in government housing. I don't think we only had a three-bedroom. Was it a three or two? And, and a bathroom that you only took a bath once a week. There's no shower. Friday night. Or Saturday night, I got a bath. And that was torture. Because when you have a mama take a live soap and scrub your head, honey, that is torture. So wonder I'm not bald. Because, Philip, did you wash your hair? Yes, I did. No, you didn't. <laughs> but satisfaction. And now I see people with all this stuff around us. I've been cleaning up my home office. I've thrown away three 30-gallon cans full of stuff in my office, and I haven't lost anything. There were notes and this and that. I tell you, we got so much stuff we store around our house, it's worthless. But we might use it someday. You know, I got that leisure suit kind of <laughs> tucked away. Man, they may come back, honey. How many got a leisure suit on hold? Yeah. 
If my kids caught me in polyester, I'd have to leave this church. <laughs> I mean, I step out Paul and Rebecca said, what is this? Have you heard of cotton? Honey, I grew up on polyester. You look at, you know, I mean, but the stuff, man, and you just throw it away. How many of you just got, most of you just have two pairs of shoes, right? How many of you women have 20, don't I want to raise your hand, I want to, how many have 20 pairs of shoes? How many can you wear in a year? You look funny wearing more than one at a time. But we've got more than food, we've got more than raiment. And why are Americans so discontent? Because advertisement and this culture keeps saying instant gratification, you need every new product, you need the, the status. You need, you need, you need. And the moment you buy that lie, God quits being the source of supply and your ultimate need. We used to sing a song, He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. He saves. He satisfies. My every need supplies. Jesus is all right now let's before you sing a lie he is all well uh, I do need that new car Lord I, I'll be satisfied if I just have one more at this, just a little bit more money how much will be enough just a little bit more he is all I, don't say it, because most of us have to fight to live that way, that all I really need is Jesus, and he can supply everything I think I need. He goes on to say, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. You pay a high price if you determine to be rich. And he's telling this to a preacher. I don't think any of us are exempt. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. And the word wandered here is used of planets. Strain planets. They've strayed away like a planet. They've pierced themselves, which means to impale yourself with a spear. And they have drowned themselves, impaled, wandered, and drowned. When you determine to be rich, you set yourself up for severe, severe problems. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Strive to live by faith. Fight the good fight of the faith. Our struggle is not to put our trust in money, but to keep our trust in God. Not money. Trust God, and if he gives you money, wonderful. But don't make money your God. Money makes a great servant for God. It makes a lousy God. Then he says in verse 17, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. It is so easy to be conceited with money because we make money our security net. Say, ah, I'm covered for retirement. Are you? Are you? 
My dad died at 63. Cancer. Big and strong like Paul. Cancer hit him. We buried him. First funeral we did in this church. Never drew a day's worth of retirement. Because God says you're going to die at 63. No matter how much money he had out there, they're going to draw it. But we get to thinking, if I had money, I'll be secure. I'll be safe. I will trust in money. I will trust in horses. I will trust in armies. I will trust in myself. Are you going to have health? Are you going to have Alzheimer's? Are you going to have Parkinson's? Well, Pastor, why bring that up? There's a lot of folks that's got it. Who gives that? Money or God? God gives health. God gives life. God gives strength. I would keep my confidence higher than money. Money can't save your children. Money can't keep your marriage. Money can't reach your grandchildren. Money can't do a lot of stuff. But we've turned it into the all-sufficient God that meets every need. It can't. We've been deceived. He says, tell those who are rich to, be, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. I close with some questions. Let me ask you some questions. How much of your life are you trading to have money? If time is money, how much of your time is invested in having money? We get this in the church all the time. I'm not available. I'm too tired. Why are you tired? I'm working 50, 60 hours a week. How much money do you need? How much of you is up for sale? How much of your life are you trading to have money? Two, are you living above your needs so that you have debt that robs you of contentment and robs you of the ability to give? That you've so put yourself in debt, you can't help meet somebody else's need. Three, how much money are you giving to God? Stingy people are not givers. And the reason there's so much silence in the church among the saints about giving is they're not giving. You don't talk about what you're not doing. It's a shame. It's a sin. When people give less than $500 a year to a ministry, it's a sin. There's an attitude that's going on there. I'm talking about people who have it, people who are making thousands. They become Christian tippers. They think if they put $5 in the offering, they're a giver. It's an insult. You ought to keep it. God doesn't want tips. God wants love gifts. God doesn't want tips. He's not broke. He wants love gifts. If you don't want to buy your wife something nice, it'd be better not to buy anything. Just give her a card and say, when we get it, it'll be nice. We've done that many a year. Just exchange cards. We don't have money to buy a decent gift. Get a card. I love you. I'm fine as we get older, we're tired of the cards. We want substance. <laughs> so I've heard that before. Choke up. Get them up with it. Do you enjoy giving? Or is your life consumed with getting? It's more blessed to give, but you'll never know that until you become a giver. Would you compromise your convictions to make more money? If someone offered you a job that you had to work every Sunday to keep it, 
and you had to miss church, would you take the job? Do you have a conviction that God comes first? Would you work on a job that ruins your marriage or family life? That the job demands more of you so that you don't get to know your kids, you can't be a good husband, but you get the almighty dollar. And pretty soon your kids grow up latchkey kids. I am so sick of this double income economy we live in because I see my own children trapped by it. I see many of you trapped by it. Everybody's working and nobody's raising kids and nobody's home. And if it wasn't for fast food, we wouldn't make it. We're, we're, we're giving up our souls in exchange for money because the economy is driving us. Everybody's on a job. And home is, has become the coldest place in the world because the home fires aren't lit. Would you let God look at your checkbook to see if you honor him like you honor Macy's, Capwell's, Penny's, Credit Union, and you think nothing of paying 18% on something if you can have it now. Now. I believe in a budget until I see something I want real bad. I really believe in a budget when Carolyn sees something she wants real bad. <laughs> For me, it's godly. Or it's time to loosen up. For your wife, you've got to show her who's in charge. <laughs> Don't be fooled to think I am. I just say, please. Money. Has this not been one of the quietest sermons you've ever heard? I mean, you just cut the air. You know why? It is eating our lunch. I mean, we couples uh, struggling to make it. Debt, credit cards, and this common thing. I have to say this. I'm going to be starting a stewardship series in September and October. It might be a good time for you to go to the Bahamas if you don't want to hear about stewardship. I know you can't afford to give, but go ahead and go to the Bahamas. Uh, and I'm going to talk about this matter. I, I'm more bold about giving than ever because I hear this. Well, we're so broke and we can't give anymore. I just tell couples, give God 10% and at least file bankruptcy knowing you honored God. Because if you're already broke and you haven't honored God, you might as well do something honest. Honor God. There's a lot of you. You want good jobs, but you won't give God any of it. I see guys, I want a good job. What will you give God? You pay a headhunter, how about paying God? You think God can give you a good job? You say, Pastor, you shouldn't even talk this way. Why not? You watch two hours of TV and you'll hear 30 commercials that will lie to you. You need a Bud Light. No, I don't. <laughs> but you sit there and you just endure it, don't you? But some of you might go out and get one. Look a little lit. You need this. You need that. You, you're all used to people lying to you. Let me tell you the truth. God is being robbed of his due. And our money has been siphoned off on all these wants. And we start talking of building out here. You know what? I'm asking God not to build another building for us as much as build some people. Deliver them from a stingy hoarding attitude. And I'm not saying that of you. You know your heart. I know my heart. I'm scared to death of this stewardship campaign because God's going to ask me to give more than I planned. I've, I just got used to my giving level. Now I'm saying, oh, my lands. Why do we, Lord, 
If I had some extra money, I don't want to give it to you. Because giving to you is kind of losing money. He said, you've been deceived. The only money that's ever been sanctified holy is that which has been used to propagate his name. I'm amazed at how much I have left after I gave. I've never given as much as I did. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.